Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Carolyn Rose Grayson, and today I'm joined by special guest Cortina Janelle. Cortina is the founder and creative community organizer behind the All Day Project, as well as the founder and creatrix behind Sojourner of Light and the House of Soleil. Thank you so much for being here, Cortina. It truly means a lot that we're finally able to have this conversation. Uh, thank you for having me. I feel really blessed. It's uh, before the first eclipse. Um, so yeah, feels like a good time to be having this conversation. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's it's definitely been um, pretty interesting lately. I've seen a lot of like serendipitous things happening. So I think it's it's a pretty good indicator going forward. Definitely. Yeah, this is our time. So I'm wondering for for the listeners who aren't aware of who you are and the work that you do, if you could give give them a little bit more background about uh, what exactly that is and what it's what it's grounded in. Yeah. Um, so I will just say um, I always like to give recognition and homage to those whose shoulders I'm standing on. Um, I come from the land that is uh, now identified as Western North Carolina, um, but was uh, originally inhabited by the principal people or the Eastern Band of Cherokee. Um, And my family is uh, Black Indigenous, and I was born and raised in a very small rural town called Morganton, North Carolina. And so I always like to just kind of give people a little bit of context about my identity and yeah, how it really, it has so much to do with my worldview and my work in the world. So um, it just always feels important for me to to name that. Uh, and yeah, so I've spent the last 10 years working mostly in Asheville, North Carolina, but of course, working in surrounding counties and um, the area as well. And Asheville being about 45 minutes from my own hometown, it was always something that was in my awareness, I couldn't have told you or guessed for myself that that's where I would end up um, after college. And I was like starting my career and really putting into practice the things that I went to school for and that I wanted to do in the world. And I just felt called to come back home. Like I had opportunities to potentially go to New York or to go out West in the California area. But number one, like I'm a country girl, tried and true, no matter what it is I'm doing in the world or on what level. I love the outdoors. I love nature. And I think it was a true gift getting to grow up in Western North Carolina, specifically the Southern Appalachians is one of the most biodiverse regions in the world. And as someone who's traveled now to 10 countries and all over the U.S., like North Carolina truly does have my heart. So I'm glad that I decided to stay close to home as I was Um, coming out of grad school and really taking up my own sort of um, baton that had been passed to me, um, I think, by my ancestors and those in my community that were elders who really poured into me and were part of my village raising from childhood to early adulthood. Um, And that's also one of the gifts of growing up in the rural South is it really does feel like everybody's just an extension of the family. And so for me, um, as my journey kind of evolved, um, coming back to Western North Carolina and rooting myself in Asheville in 2011, I really kind of dove in headfirst with not only my own healing, because I realized that there was still some um, dark places and corners in my life and in my journey that I hadn't felt like I could pay attention to. 
I had just uh, come out of my first relationship with a um, same-sex partner to where it was like a, it was a very partnered relationship. We met in college uh, and we were together for about four or five years on and off. Um, but we had kind of an abrupt breakup. And it was like one of those moments for me where I was like this person who I was building a life with and really getting to know on so many levels and to feel the rejection of like my love and how I was showing up in that relationship was really a shock to my system, especially because at the time I was very estranged from my family because I was grappling with my identity and orientation on many levels. And I was just like, you know, in order for me to move forward in my life, I got to go back to where it all started. Like, I got to go back home. Um, and it felt like the craziest thing to do. Like, it felt like some, in some ways it would be like me going backwards. And I really had to humble myself at the time. I moved in with my grandmother for about three months. Um, and still to this day, I'm very grateful that she, you know, took me in and let me stay in the second bedroom. And of course, I contributed in, in many ways. But I realized, you know, I went there for healing. Um, and I just was, I had some money saved because I was working in the hospitality and tourism industry, uh, out in Eastern North Carolina at the time and was spending a lot of time in the Chapel Hill, Raleigh sort of business corporate industry. And, and that also was another layer for me. And I was just like, you know, this, this isn't for me. I, I need the mountains. I need nature. I need to feel like I'm a part of something. And it felt really dispersed in, in, um, sort of that area of the state. And so there were all these things happening for me, um, which brings me kind of full circle to my very long introduction of me and my work and who I am. But um, all of that to say, like the, for the past 10 years, it's been this simultaneous healing process, multiple levels of coming out to myself, to others, um, and like really grappling with many different aspects of my identity because I can't fit in anybody's box in any kind of way. So <laughs> I've just learned to walk in, in that authenticity. Um, and that has led me to the work that I'm known for most around like uh, community organizing and creative facilitation. I've done a lot of youth engagement work. A lot of that work has been through um, my first baby I day project, which I started in 2018 um, after going through kind of the business world, business side of things. Um, and then it's kind of all come full circle with House of Soleil, which is very much at the intersection of the individual work meeting the external action. There's a lot of coaching and comedic yoga and breath work and a lot of spiritual aspects to the work and a lot of um, understanding nature um, and being in nature and like really holding space in that way. Um, so it's all kind of like brought me back around to my roots and what I've always loved and what my inner child has longed for, right? I think if I were to say what my work was about in like two phrases, I'd have to pick two, but I could say divine alignment and holistic wellness. Like that is, I think for me, what it all comes back to and where I like spending most of my time. Yeah, very long answer, but my path is very non-linear but it's all connected and I can't tell one part without telling the whole story. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's definitely like a lot to sit with and I applaud you for it really. Um, it, it makes me think of the time where you mentioned how 
you've made it your mission to capture your ancestors' vision of divine alignment. And so I wonder, like, how exactly do you envision that? And why is it so important for the work that you do? Well, like I said in the very beginning of, like, needing to acknowledge them, Mm-hmm. because um, as you and I have like start, started building our relationship and getting to know each other, I think, you know, one of the things that we both believe um, and recognize is like, there's an aspect of needing to do shadow work in order to see the next level in our lives of what's possible as creatives. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe even, you know, entrepreneurship to me is cre- another version of creativity. So for me, it, the name of the game has always been liberation because because I walk with so many identities, I had to look beyond my familial relationships to get my sense of belonging. It wasn't until I started looking back at like trying to figure out my ancestry and to get my sense of belonging. It wasn't until I started looking back at like trying to figure out my ancestry and my DNA, looking at my DNA. Um, There was this really wild experience that happened to me when I was in middle school where um, we were at uh, my great grandmother's house, which usually we would go to um, her house in Rutherford County uh, around Thanksgivings and Christmases because that's usually when family from other parts of the country would fly in. And so we would get together around those times. And there was one holiday in particular when I was in middle school where I walked across the street with my cousins out of curiosity because it looked like these apartments had become like this shop of some kind. There was like a sign outside and it was called the African-American Heritage Museum. We were just, you know, as we were playing outside and, you know, I was like, I want to go see what's inside there. And, you know, they, of course, all were like, yeah, let's go, let's go over there. And so we walked in and as immediately when I walked in, I felt the energy of that space, like literally what it felt like to walk into so many people's stories. The shop owner Um, She was a a Black and Indigenous woman, and it was her shop. Like, she uh, had, I guess, bought out the bottom floor of these apartments um, and turned it into this museum. And all around the shop, there were these different um, genealogy books of, like, family lines. And then there was, like, history books, and there was globes and, like, so many different things in the shop. And I just, you know, was really curious. My cousins were, like, running around. But I was like asking the lady, I was so curious because I was like, it felt like an initiatory moment for me because in that moment, um, in my curiosity, I asked the shop owner like what the place was all about. And I was really curious to see if my family's name was in the books. And she opened up this book and she turned to a page and I kid you not, there were there was like this whole family tree that went back. And fast forward to you know, 2018, 2016, um, as I'm like really grappling with a lot of my own childhood trauma and I, you know, will happily acknowledge myself as as the black sheep of the family proudly because I get it now. But um, there were things that I was curious about and like ostracized for that made me different. And I was like, just trying to find my way with the family relationships that were really broken because I feel like if I just go back and just, I want to see what my ancestors were were about and maybe like there's some understanding of who I am there. Um, And so I got really curious and started going down this path and lo and behold, it turned out to be true. I found out so much about how our orientations were classified differently and um, 
it didn't create the sort of othering at all in African traditions or indigenous traditions, like actually those that were queer or what we would call trans or, you know, identifying as an other orientation, like these were the people that were the the sages and the wisdom mm. keepers and the medicine people. Like you went to them for information because they could, they were living between the veils is what they called it. So for me, um, going on this journey with like how my work shows up today and going back as far as what traditions my people had and what they were doing and picking up their work feels important because we're just going to keep passing around this hot potato in the family until somebody finally says yes, because I really believe like our ancestors want very much for the lineages and for the legacies and the, the stories to continue. For me, I see it as, yeah, sometimes it's hard work because I am different than a lot of people in my family and there are relationships that I, that have been lost. And, um, but I understand that sometimes you have to be willing to do things that you've never done. Um, and I feel more of a, a commitment to my ancestry than I do to what like somebody has to say about what I'm doing or like what makes me different. Um, so yeah, I feel like for me, it's, it's a privilege and um, it feels like the right work to be doing. And it's not always hard work either. Like sometimes it's really fun. Like I find it really interesting to like dig into history and to remember. Mm, so like a lot of your work is is holistic in its approach and it's like based around um, like ancestral knowledge and communal healing as well as healing of the self. And there's also that creative aspect. So I wonder like how has your role as a creatrix Im impacted your role as a healer? I love this question. I think they're both so interconnected um, because creativity for me is a gateway to so much more. It's a gateway to liberation. We have the capacity to create, therefore we can shape any and all realities. We can create new thought patterns. So we, we get the, we unlearn the programming that tells us that we can't or that we should limit ourselves or what we should have. I think being a creatrix or, you know, in this essence of creativity allows us to create, like make things, like thoughts become things, you know, it's like you have an idea and then all of a sudden you have a zine, right? Or you have an organization, but recognizing that it started with an idea and we, we became partners with creativity to allow that thing to take place. Um, and I think it's the same way with healing. I think that um, the body as a vessel has an incredible capacity to heal itself. Um, I've learned that in some of my own sort of professional training. Um, I'm a certified comedic yoga instructor, um, as well as from my lived experience. I was diagnosed about 10 years ago or so with discoid lupus um, and also polycystic ovarian syndrome and just in general had a lot of like health hiccups. So I've had to learn how to heal my body um, from the inside out many times and for different reasons. What that taught me is a similar process of what creativity calls to us is sometimes you have to surrender. Like I had to surrender to whatever my body was trying to teach me about um, 
how to better take care of it. Because at least in my opinion, it's a lot of autoimmune diseases that we have. Like, yes, it's a physical, uh, it's a physical condition, but it also has a spiritual aspect to it as well. What I started learning about when my body wasn't well was that there was something that was imbalanced in within me. I started to look at healing and understand healing to be both physical and spiritual. And it's many other things, but those are the key too. It's not just a physical thing. Like we can't just heal all things with the body for, forever without invoking our breath, which is in kinetic uh, uh, spirituality, it's your ka. Um, in Buddhism, it's your chi. It's your connection with breath that really is like the center of all health and healing. And when we're stressed, when we have this sense of like fight or flight, or I need to hold on to something, um, that's an indication that like there's something that we're also holding on to spiritually. And so these two things interplay all the time. Um, And what's also interesting is even with coming to this understanding that healing is both physical and spiritual, I could understand like sometimes when I was in my own way, you know, or like having to learn new ways to, to support my healing. So it might look like making a certain soup. It's um, harvesting certain herbs or weeds um, for a spiritual bath. Um, it's, It's so many different things, but yeah, I think they're both so interconnected because we we have to it puts us in a place of having to take accountability mm. that's that's well said really um it makes me wonder like since since your approach is like considered holistic and even like quote-unquote alternative um it makes me wonder like what exactly about like these these particular modalities of healing why are they more in alignment with your vision and practice as a healer as opposed to like quote unquote traditional like Western medicine and and uh, modes of healing and wellness. Yeah, I've actually just recently acquired the words to talk about this in a way that makes sense. Um, and and it's been through hearing other doctors and um, wellness practitioners speak about this very concept, which is Western versus alternative healing or, or alternative medicine. Um, and it's interesting that every everything else but Western medicine, which is largely um, rooted in pharmaceuticals and treating symptoms and not the root cause of issues mm-hmm. uh, as the alternative, right? So I just wanna name that, that everything mm-hmm. else is seen as the alternative if not Western, which is interesting to me. But a lot of these healing modalities have been around for a very long time, they're ancient traditions that have that have proven the test of time. Since I was diagnosed with um, lupus and PCOS, but also um, prior to that, when I was m- much younger, because of some of the health challenges I had, I was exposed to Western medicine early and often, um, and I just knew that it, my body didn't feel great when I had to take medication for certain things. There was one point in my life when I thought that I was going to go into to um, healthcare. Um, when I was in college, my first major was actually uh, pre-nursing, and I was going to be a nurse practitioner. Um, obviously, I'm not that, but the desire for me to understand how to heal and help others heal never left me. I just was trying to do it in a traditional way. 
I ended up changing my major um, my sophomore or junior year of college because there was just something that struck me and it was this uh, a full semester of not getting great grades and I knew something was up because I always cared about my grades and I always for the most part got good marks in school mm. but there was just it like everything tanked and I was just like oh this is actually my subconscious telling me that I'm about to choose a path that is not going to bring me the happiness and joy and this sense of helping people in the way that I think and maybe I need to redirect and social work although it still shows up in my work today in a lot of ways um, with like the strength-based model of um, crisis intervention and just understanding about social systems in a different way. Like social work definitely gave me that, but I ended up um, not graduating with just a degree in social work because I felt like I wanted to impact change in a way that didn't create dependency for people. If I were to go into traditional healthcare and be a part of that system, that I would I wouldn't actually feel like I was helping people at the end of the day. I I would just be teaching them how to deal with whatever problem. It was like the problem would still persist. It's not proactive and it's definitely not trying to show you the natural ways in which you can heal your body. So fast forward to today and my work with House of Soleil. It really is a combination of a lifetime of really grappling with my own healing, but then also a lot of applied practice, either taking trainings or classes or um, trying different things myself that are more accessible. And I think actually put us in better relationship with our own healing and like really developing this intimate relationship with your body because you're not numbing the symptoms, you're actually helping your body to heal in a way that just enhances its natural capacity. Um, and then also I think it's more accessible, it's more affordable, like me buying some herbs that I need for a spiritual bath or a tea costs me way less, literally and figuratively than feeling a prescription. Um, and it's getting to the root cause of what's going on. Um, and again, I say, you know, what what happens to us in illness or imbalance is both physical and spiritual. Um, and of course, it's also mental and emotional. But being able to heal with sound or crystals uh, or yoga and breath work or herbs or um, movement or these things like these, are, that is picking up my ancestors work because this is what they did. They didn't have access to making medicine um, in in the ways that we're used to in the West. Now, I do want to say that um, for anybody that's on Western medication and like taking that and you feel like it's something that is helpful for you, in no way am I placing shame, guilt, or trying to sway anybody from what's working for them. Notice that I mentioned in my own story, at some point, I was also taking prescribed medications. I just know for me and my journey and for the people that are attracted to my work, that people generally are interested in what can I do that I can sustain and that will educate me on how to heal my body and how to work with this um, in a way that's more natural, like using natural elements that come from the earth um, that are literally here to support our healing. And that information and that wisdom has just been lost over time. But I think it's resurfacing for a lot of people now. 
Um, and again, I say it's really simple. Like some of the things that we can do to heal ourselves as adults, we can teach the children and they can do this work, you know, like yoga in schools and breathwork in schools is blowing up, um, especially around what's happened over the last two years. So again, I say like, if you're on medications or if you're on your journey with Western medicine in any way, like, please do what works for you. Use your discernment. I'm just here to plant a seed, if you will, that there is something very ancestral and powerful uh, and accessible about working with what's natural. And yeah, that's been my own journey because there are certain things that my body just rejects. And so it has to be herbs or it has to be sound, like it has to be some of these other things. So um, yeah, I think it's, it's important. And I'll also just say one last thing is that most, most of my work is rooted around uh, Black Indigenous traditions because that's my lineage. It wouldn't feel right to me to um, overextend my welcome as a guest in somebody else's tradition, right? I know a good amount of, of spiritual traditions and healing modalities that are of other lineages. And, um, you know, I'm very transparent about that with my clients. And so if you want specifically to work with somebody that's uh, working with Buddhism, I'm going to refer you to that person. If you're coming to me, you're coming because you're interested and, and curious about the Black Indigenous traditions um, and a lot of that being rooted in comedic uh, yoga, comedic spirituality. Um, and again, working with nature, which is um, where my indigeneity comes in, just like understanding how to work with what we have is a big part of my work. Mm. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, just like considering how outside of whether it be the pharmaceutical industry or the wellness industry or just like healthcare overall, um, there's this tendency within American culture and society to often glaze over um these like deeply rooted issues um or like whenever these quote-unquote steps are taken to to deal with these issues it's often like from an approach of like treating rather than approach of of like thoroughly resolving um so i just think it's an interesting connection to make and it just shows like how um deeply interconnected all these issues are to each other um, and it also makes me think of like how how truly impactful your work is and how impactful it can be. So I wonder like, why would you say communal healing should be at the forefront of our fight for liberation from various forms of oppression? Because who wants to keep struggling forever? <laughs> can we get to the healing so we can just be like, we can like, I really believe that one of the things that we're here to do is to experience the joys and the pleasure of being human. You know, if we stay in this place of being tensed up and being in fight or flight or being stressed out or in survival mode, like we never will get to our promised land or our 40 acres and a mule. And I think that at the end of the day, like that is what our ancestors want for us. Like they've already sacrificed enough. Like we don't need to keep struggling um, is how I feel about it. And I think that um, it goes back to something that you and I talked about uh, earlier on, as far as like this notion of abundance, prosperity, and wealth, like being healthy and balanced to me is wealth, like having good relationships and a good connection to my own culture and tradition 
that's wealth to me. Like, it's not just about having money. Um, and I think that our, our, our people want us to be wealthy. Um, and I think that in a lot of ways, that's what my generation and the generation after me are here to bring that reality is like, we're no longer just doing things because we're trying to survive. Like we have this infinite capacity to create and to literally shape the world around us. And I just feel like there are better, better uses for that amount of power that we have as a collective, as opposed to continuing to speak against and be anti something. How about being pro something? Like, what are you actually for as, as opposed to what, what are you against? Um, start seeding what it is that you want to see. If you don't see the thing that you want in the world, it's probably knocking at you because it's time for it to be in the world through you. I think that communal healing, like really doing our shadow work. And, and you know, I'll say, um, so I recently published uh, my first book, which is called um, How to Heal the Planet from Wherever You Are. Uh, it came out on Earth Day. And the subtitle is Leaning into the Cosmic and Planetary Link Between Ancestral Healing, Collective Liberation, and Creative Entrepreneurship. For me, it was such an important book to write, not just because it was me engaging in a deeper way into my own healing process by writing and documenting my story and my journey um, at all these different intersections of identity, but also because I think sometimes we need to be reminded that we hold so much power um, in our hands as the people, like we are only as oppressed as we give permission for. And that can be a hard pill to swallow because it's a different way to be talking about uh, op oppression or white supremacy culture, I realize the more energy I'm putting into trying to dismantle something, I don't have that much energy left to create the new thing. And so I think that communal healing is so important and conversations like this are so important because we just got to remember that we are so powerful and so capable. Um, competition is an illusion. If, if you feel like you're in competition with somebody, I, let me be the first to tell you, I'm sorry, boo, but they lied. <laughs> you know, like there's only one of you and there's, there's no way that somebody can compete with what you're here to bring into the world. Um, and so realizing that we're more powerful together, working in cooperation, as opposed to standing apart and competing because that that shit's not real. Like, I, I don't know. And I think that, you know, the more that we un understand that, yeah, once we get through this healing process, of course, it's going to be hard and require some heavy lifting. But that's also the beauty of doing healing in community is like, you don't have to lift it by yourself, nor should you try to, you know, um, one of the things I talk about in my book is, you know, this idea of creating this uh, support map, so that you can see all the different relationships and resources that are supporting you or like where your gaps are, like making it a visual process that you can see where your holes are that you need to fill in your support system. Um, because once you have the support you need and you're aligned and clear about what you want to do, there's no stopping you. Like, and to me, that's liberation. If you're open to it, wherever this ends up airing, we can add a link to the show notes um, so that folks can order it. It's it's on the website at houseofsoleil.org. Um, so I can also share that information. And I will also name that um, 100% of the proceeds from the book benefit our service work, um, which is a big part of the work with House of Soleil. And so what that means is when you order a copy of the book, you'll be 
um, allowing us to support our global partners. So some of the folks that we're aligned with right now, um, our Dogwood Alliance, uh, Stand Earth, um, the UU Ministry for the Earth and Pachamama Alliance. At some point later in the year, it'll be 1% for the planet as well. But the focus for the next few years, as far as proceeds that we raise from the book or um, donations, um, would be focusing on waste reduction. So litter cleanups, um, protecting sacred land sites, um, waterway cleanup as well, and just kind of starting from where we are, like letting the book help us move toward action, um, because that's what the book is about. Like, it's not just a passive thing to read. So like um, prompts and reflections and places for you to draw things. And like, I really want it to be kind of like a community playbook um, for what we can do at any given point, like wherever we are. Uh, so I just wanted to share that. And the paperback version will be out and available exclusively on the summer solstice. So June 21st, folks can get the paperback. For now, when you place the order, you're going to immediately get the ebook, and then you'll you'll have you know like your place in line for the the paperback to automatically be shipped to you when it comes out this summer. Um, but yeah, there'll be other versions of the book, um, and yeah, some other ways that I want to just keep the work alive. So just wanted to share that so people know. Like when I say book, it actually might not mean the ways that we are used to engaging in a book where it's like it, you get it. And then it just sits on your shelf collecting dust. <laughs> this isn't that kind of book. <laughs> that's, that's a good thing, really. Um, so as we close, I, I have one more question. Um, I'd like to know, like, what, what would you say are our next steps as, as a collective? Like what steps should we take to ensure that we're, we're moving in the right direction, that we're, moving progressively towards um, towards a reality, a version of reality where where we're all um, living living our truths and and that we're all um, embracing this idea of of living a, a wholesome and fulfilling life. So as we close, like one of the things I really want to say uh, as far as like what are the next steps for us as a collective, Take an honest inventory of your life in whatever way that calls to you, um, whether that is like I was talking about um, as far as the content in the book, like creating a support map for yourself to see what already holds you up, wh where your roots already are um, deep into some soil. Is that soil that you're in, rooted in helping you to grow? Like, is it actually good fertile soil or is it barren soil? And are you is your growth stagnated? But like really take an, uh, an honest look at where you are, where you want to go. Um, of course, the book is a resource in a lot of that work because of the exercises that are in there. Um, maybe you have a conversation with a trusted friend. Maybe you vision board it out, like whatever it is for you. Um, I think that's a really important next step for us as a collective because we don't want to just be compelled to action with like no um, we don't know what, what we're going to plug into the GPS, you know, like we wouldn't do that on a road trip. So we can't do it with trying to create a new reality. Um, so doing that work, uh, I think also for those that feel ready for this step, you know, like really trying to understand your birth chart, like understanding astrology. And again, I'm going to just bring in uh, for a second and name like that's also picking up our ancestors work. I don't know how many people listening to this will know this fun fact and um, this historical data, 
But, you know, the, the sky was first charted by some of the ancient scholars, astrologers, astronomers, scientists, and spiritualists from ancient Kemet or Egypt, which is where? On the African continent. We have to remember who we are uh, and the capacity that we've always had to be brilliant and to be courageous and to pioneer. And I'm not just saying that for the melanated people, like we as in the collective we. So um, whatever, however you can, take inventory of your life, dig into your birth chart, have somebody that you trust or you know, offer a reading. You can always book a reading with me. I offer cosmic readings on my website um, or somebody that you trust, you know, or listen to my podcast about how to understand astrology and to read your birth chart, whatever you need to do. Um, but I think that's an important step because then with your clarity, like your clear vision and understanding what you're bringing to the table, I think we can build this new reality much faster and we can go much further. So, but, but first, like it truly does start with us. That all being said, um, please definitely follow up with me if um, something that I shared resonated or um, you want to order the book in bulk or invite me out. I'm currently on my book tour for all of 2022. Um, so I would love to come to any community or just share more, uh, build more with folks. Um, and that's houseofsoleil.org. Um, but you can also find me on Instagram at cortina.janelle or at the house of soleil. Or uh, coming soon, we're actually revamping our, our presence for Ade Project online, but it will be at the Ade Project by the time this comes out. Um, yeah, I also offer um, free 45-minute discovery calls if people feel like um, my work calls to them, but they're not sure where to start or where to plug in. Like we can just connect on a phone call over some tea virtually and um, yeah, just see what's possible. And then if I'm not the fit, I... I'm a connector, so I'm always happy to like connect you to somebody who can help you or support you where you're at. Well, I think that is a perfect way to end out this episode. Um, thank you again, Cortina, for being here. It truly means the world. I know that we've really been wanting to just sit down and have this conversation. So finally being able to do it, it just really feels good. Um, it's been a truly enlightening and invaluable experience and I can't thank you enough for just um, sharing your time, your space, and your energy. I have a lot of respect for how you show up in the world and I can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for inviting me into this space and just trusting the referral of our friends over at Southern Equality Studios. Um, thank y'all so much for, for being here and thanks again for the invitation, Lynn. This has been really amazing and I hope the conversation continues. This episode of Vanguard Social Hour was directed and produced by Carolyn Rose Grayson. The creation of this project was sponsored by Southern Equality Studios, the art-based program for the Campaign for Southern Equality.